The AI Today podcast, produced by Cognolytica, cuts through the hype and noise to identify what is really happening now in the world of artificial intelligence. Learn about emerging AI trends, technologies, and use cases from Cognolytica analysts and guest experts. Hello and welcome to the AI Today podcast. I'm your host, Kathleen Walsh. And I'm your host, Ron Schmelzer. And thank you again, all of you listeners here, AI Today podcasts. So for those of you who are listening, I really, really do encourage you to reach out to us. Please, we do want to hear from our listeners about things they like in our podcast, things they want to hear more of, things they want to hear less of. Uh, how to apply AI to your life and your things today. So we really curate those. So we want to hear from the folks who want to tell us what they want to hear more of. We're going to talk, we're going to get back into the generative AI series because that's one of our most popular series here on AI Today. Right. And based on how things are going, you shouldn't be surprised that that's a popular series. And that's why we started it as well, because we listened to you, our listeners, who wanted to learn more about it. Maybe you were a little bit confused about how you could actually apply it or you wanted to see how others were doing it and using it, and maybe some of the challenges that comes with generative AI. Because as you know, at Cognolytica and the AI Today podcast, we always like to have our spin on things. So we don't just present it to you, but we also say how it's being used today in the real world by organizations and folks just like you. And that's what we're doing with this podcast series. So as we're talking with people, we, you know, it's starting to come up that Yes, generative AI has been incredibly powerful. It's transformational, like AI technology in general. But there, you know, we we talked about some of the challenges in a previous podcast, and you really need to understand, you know, how to avoid getting screwed by generative AI. And if you want to avoid knowing how to get screwed, you have to understand the ways that maybe you can, uh, you know be screwed using this technology. And so we wanted to devote a podcast to this based on things that we've both seen from, uh, you know, experience and also when we're talking to others. Yeah. Come on. Yeah. And you're thinking, you know, you might be thinking, well, we have this, this whole episode, which we'll link to uh, talking about the drawbacks and challenges of generative AI. And, And that gets more into sort of like the problems with all generative AI, you know, the hallucination and the the bias and the issues of that. And it, that's kind of going to be hard to fix because that's just sort of the nature of the beast, the way that generative AI systems work and how they're trained. This actually gets into when we talk about trustworthy AI, we talk about, you know, that ethical layer and we talk about that responsible layer. This is sort of like the responsible layer of generative AI, which is like you can use it in good ways. You can use it in bad ways. But you can even use it in ways that are that are good. Like you're like, I'm going to use it to provide responses to my customers when they ask questions about the FAQ. But you could be making some mistakes uh, that could hurt you. Even if you're doing things ethically, responsibly, you get rid of the hallucinations and you're debiasing it, you could still get into trouble. And this is actually what we're starting to see. People said, but but I but I thought that generative AI, you know, uh, if even if I use it in this way, is going to help me. All of a sudden, I'm finding these other problems. So this is kind of where like this is where the getting screwed by generative AI part is happening. Exactly, and that's why we want to bring it up. If you've listened to our podcast for any length of time, you know that we repeatedly say AI is not a set it and forget it thing, uh, folks. That also applies to generative AI. So one way that we have been seeing, uh, you know, people and organizations getting screwed is when you don't have humans in the loop to verify and validate the responses that are coming from these generative AI systems. 
So if you're looking to embed generative AI systems into your website, for example, and this can be internally and or externally, and you're not having a human in the loop to verify the responses, that can cause some serious issues. So we always say, you know, if you don't have subject matter experts in that area, and you're not also doing things to verify the answers and the responses that you're getting, you can really have some results that are not great, right? You know, don't just take everything at face value. And unfortunately, sometimes for whatever reason, you're really busy. It sounds authoritative. You think that it's the right example or and the right response. You're just not going to do the research and the due diligence and the fact-checking and the verifying that you need to make sure that it is providing the right answers. You're not keeping that human in the loop. And so you can really you know, have uh, some results that are just flat-out incorrect. We always like to you know, use real-world examples and say, well, how is this actually being used in the real world? How have people actually been screwed by this? And what are the ramifications? There were two lawyers that used fake cases that were generated by ChatGPT as they were citing other examples of cases, and they were fined $5,000 for citing cases that didn't exist in their arguments. And we can link to that in the show notes. That can be a real problem because one, you're you know citing things that don't exist, which it made that up. And also now you're being fined real money because of this. So again, we always say fact check, make sure that you're keeping a human in the loop and that you are validating the responses so that you're not actually getting screwed. Yeah. And and I think that the challenge is that one thing here is you could say, well, the lawyers should have known better. I mean, they're lawyers after all. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, I, I understand that like, there's, there's this temptation, a good one, because you see GPT systems and large language models is like, hey, I could I could shorten the amount of work that I need to do instead of me having a paralegal do all this research. I can ask chat GPT. The problem is, is that you can't necessarily take the responses at their word. As, as they say, GPT systems are really happy to provide answers whether or not they are correct because GPT systems are text prediction models as we talk about in our large language model. They will predict what comes next and they're happy to give you something that looks like an example of what a legal case should be. There's no way for the LLM to know that this is real or not. I mean, how does an LLM know that a case is real. It doesn't have a reasoning system. So it can't say, well, I kid, you know, I created this because it says, well, I generated this text. It could have generated this text from real legal work. It could have summarized something legal. So the only way you, you got to have the human here. I mean, that's the honestly the only answer. And and the the way that we see people getting screwed is when they don't have any of that knowledge themselves. Let's say you're in the construction industry and you want GPT to create something like a construction proposal and you're not a construction person. How are you going to even know? that like there's something is, is in there that can't be right. So so this is an area you can get screwed. In this case, the lawyers got screwed, but the construction, you can find yourself screwed in every instance, generating a government proposal for something, not realizing that there's some really bad stuff in there. So word of caution. Sort of another area that we see people you know, getting screwed is that the generative AI systems themselves are a bit of a constantly changing field, right? The models keep getting updated. The interfaces to the models keep getting updated, you know, like let's say you're using chat GPT. And, and so therefore, what you might expect to work today may not necessarily work tomorrow, and it's not under your control. 
And so there are a lot of people have been talking about the fact that, especially since in this case, uh, GPT-3.5, there was a new version was GPT-4 and chat GPT was on it. And people had noticed a couple, say, months ago that the quality of the responses was changing, getting poorer. Some the, the term that they were using is that these generative AI systems are getting dumber. They're not really getting dumber. What was happening was that there was changes made to the way that these GPT systems were. Some of them, they added new moderation features because people were hacking these systems, doing things that they shouldn't do and getting the systems to respond in ways that you know were either NSFW or not allowed or so, or just trying to get the system to, to reveal people's name, whatever it is. And so they, they provided, they added this new moderation levels and these new moderation levels were resulting in the general responses being more generalized and watered down uh, or like not really answering the question. And I had this experience myself. I found that like I was asking the system to do do some work to like, you know, do some public work. Like, you know, hey, tell me who all the members of uh, some Senate committee are, something like that. Very public information. You can't hallucinate that. But it was taking like multiple attempts. I had to just coax, as I say, coax the system to get it to results. I'm like, I'm pretty sure I didn't have to do this before. Where it would be like, it would say, here is an example. And it go dot, dot, dot. Uh, there's some blanks here. And now here's the rest. I'm like, well, can you ex actually tell me what that dot, dot, dot is? I can't use dot, dot, dot. Am I, you know, <laughs> can you please do it? And it's like, okay, I'll give you a little bit more. I'm like, okay, why do I have to like baby my way through this, this thing? And I was very frustrated. So I actually did a search. I said, is GPT getting uh, dumber? Sure enough. A whole lot of people were talking about it. So uh, there's a really interesting video uh, by actually somebody who I know very well personally who, who did a whole video about this. And they said the danger is not that GPT is getting smarter or getting dumber or being moderated, not being moderated. The problem is that you have an expectation, especially when you're building in GPT, say, into an, you're using the API and you're embedding it, let's say, into a code generator or a proposal generator. You might say, well, why would it start responding differently from me a month from now than today? I'm not my my prompts are exactly the same. My API's call is exactly the same. My data is exactly the same. Why should it change? And the answer is it does. So again, to this point of you might get screwed <laughs> by your generative AI system if you are expecting that the quality of the results won't change when they are. They are changing. Whether or not you think it's dumber or not, or there's a reason for it. Uh, yeah, you cannot count on that thing staying the same. Exactly. Another thing that we've seen is that generative AI systems, you know, as we mentioned, they really are powerful. They're being uh, used some in some incredible ways, and they are getting better over time, which means that they can do more with the same amount of people, right? You know, as, as we brought up that lawyer, well, maybe they don't have enough money to hire a paralegal or multiple paralegals, or they want to take on more work. So they turn to generative AI to help with their job. And this is in, you know, just about every single industry that we are seeing this happen. Well, as you do that, it is great, but it also can take away and, you know, make certain tasks and therefore possibly certain roles obsolete. So this can be the case with code generation, for example. GPT, you know, large language models are really great at generating code. And so that means that entry-level developers might not be needed anymore. Well, if you're not hiring entry-level developers, they can't work their way to senior-level developers. 
That also means that we're not going to have humans in the loop checking and validating some of that, um, you know, the code that's generated. And that may not be something that happens right now, but give it time because if we don't have, you know, those entry level workers, then that means we're not, you know, tailoring that and curating it towards the more established and experienced workers. And then we are not going to be able to check things. That's not going to be something that happens overnight, but it is something that's going to happen. As we also talk about, you know, this idea of trustworthy AI, we say don't use AI with the intent of mass unemployment. That's important to think about as we're working and using generative AI because we want to be more efficient in our jobs. We want to do things faster and quicker and cheaper. But think about the overall impact that it can and will have at both, you know, your role, your profession, your organization. Yeah. And even if you're not thinking about job replacement, I, I think there's sort of a a more uh, sort of issue that happens with technology all the time, which is that as, as we start using technology to replace things that we started that we used to think about, uh, not to say the previous point was that chat GPT, maybe in these geniuses might be getting dumber. The problem is that people might start to get dumber. So a good example of this would be before GPS systems, people kind of knew their way around towns. We had maps and knew how to read maps, right? Uh, but after GPS, people just don't even bother learning how to get around and or even how to read a map. There's some people who don't know how to read maps now. And so now we lose that skill. And if you lose that skill, you become dependent, one, on a GPS. Uh, but this happens all the time, whether it's spell check, people not learning how to spell anymore, uh, whether it's, you know, uh, any of the tools that we use for so many other things. And I think this is the danger with GPT, that people will stop learning how to do research. It's like, for example, now people don't learn basic facts because you can Google your way to it. So it's like, you don't learn, you know, basic facts of like, you know, what what country you live in or a state. And and it's it's not like people's brain capacity has gotten worse. It's just that we've sort of shift because people are lazy. I have to say they we're inherently efficient. If you want to use the positive term for it, our brains are efficient. We don't want to have to do extra work, but basically that we're lazy. And so if we can have a machine do it for us, that means we don't need to think about it anymore. So we lose that inherent capability. Even if you don't lose your step, you start, you start losing that ability. And so people's like, I've never done a report before. I've never had to do an analysis before. I don't really, you know, because I just asked GPT to do this all day, all day. I don't know how to write slides. I don't know how to create slides anymore. I don't know how to do any of these sorts of things. So there's a little bit of this um, screwing yourself nature uh, that happens. And there's really no antidote to it because as these technologies evolve, they become more and more like it. And so we just say, you know, as GPT, Gen AI systems get better, as they get better, uh, it has this uh, side effect of, of making people worse, even if the, the jobs stay the same. So um, sort of an interesting thing, a corollary to all this sort of stuff is, is that if we think about these generative AI systems getting better, one of the things that they can do now is they can start pulling information from different systems. Now, uh, GPT-4 was recently enabled with web search. Bing ha has that embedded. A lot of LLMs have that embedded. If not, you can use like Langchain and other technologies that allow you to extract. So it's good when it's extracting data from the sources that you control. It's not good, and this is where you get screwed, when Generate AI is pulling systems from you that you don't control. How would you like a customer service FAQ system that pulled FAQs from your competitor's FAQ? So a customer's asking questions. Let's say they're on your um, really cool uh, e-commerce site, 
let's just say you're selling fantastic wool sweaters. I'm just going to make something up. And you go, uh, how do your wool sweaters compare to this other person's wool sweaters? And they go, those wool sweaters are better. <laughs> those sweaters have are cheaper. You know, they were actually made in, in this country. These wool sweaters are made somewhere else. Uh, where did that come from? Generative AI, you asked a question. It did it. So this is a way that, again, you could screw yourself because you're like, oh, this is awesome. Generally, I can query websites. Like, yeah, as long as the ones that you know about and as long as those websites aren't being updated in ways that you approve. And we have started to see this. And actually, we even see this on our own site. Like we have a little chat system on our site, but there's no AI behind it, at least not at the moment. Uh, and because it's really meant to be a way for people to interact with us and ask us questions, people are treating our chat bot like it's an agent. And they'll ask it questions. I'm like, I don't really know what you're going at here, but like, you're not going to ask, how is the AI Today podcast compared to this other podcast? I'm like, no, we're not going to do that. But other people just turn on the the, AI, uh, the generative AI system. They add it to their site. They turn on the web query capability. Next thing you know, you're recommending competitors' products. You're telling people to do things that are not in your best interest. And well, you screw yourself. Uh, so we have another one here, another another sort of example here is basically the whole, you know, free and low price uh, stuff. Exactly. You know? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so sometimes you have to be careful because you can get lured into technology, right? We talk about this, this idea of freemium pricing. So you can get lured into using it because it's really cheap, cheaply priced or even free. And you've become to rely on this technology, right? You've embedded it into your offerings and people are using it both internally, maybe externally. And so you, you know, you get lured in and then later on the price increases and you're at this, uh, you know, point where you're kind of stuck because if you no longer want to pay for it, and it's embedded in all of your systems, they're going to break overnight. And this isn't something that you can, you know, exactly build out on your own. It may take a lot of time to take it out of these different systems. So as you are looking to use this technology and apply this technology into different products and offerings that you have, make sure that you're understanding the real cost to this, because it may be free now, but it might to most likely won't be free in the future. And I say that because also there's been products that we've been paying for ourselves and prices increase and quality decreases. And that does not seem like it should be, you know, a correlation, but that's what we've been finding. So again, not saying that you shouldn't be, be using this technology, not saying that you shouldn't be embedding it in certain things, but just know that free doesn't always mean free. And if it does increase and sometimes these are you know very steep increases what's going to happen are you still going to be able to use this does the cost you know outweigh the benefit and really be thinking about that yeah i mean that was actually correlates to one of the earlier points we talked about our gen ai systems getting dumber well the answer is obviously not getting dumber per that say but the criticism was that some of the capabilities that you used to be able to get this is specifically for open ai in ChatGPT 3.5, which is free. By the way, if you sign up for ChatGPT, there is a free plan and you get by default 3.5, which is their earlier model. 
And if you pay their, their monthly subscription fee, you get access to four. And what people are saying is that the things you used to be able to do with three, five, now you can only do with four. The thing about it is that that four model, you, you have to, if you're using the API, you only paid like a penny per query or something like that for three, five, but you pay like eight or nine cents per query for, uh, yeah, generative, uh, for, for, for GPT four, of course, things, prices, that's a whole point to this podcast is probably when you're listening to this podcast, prices may change, but there's a criticism that like, well, they're the, you know, companies like OpenAI aren't exactly motivated to keep giving you their best model for the lowest price. And if you hear the very true statements about how much it really costs, uh, to to not only train these models, which is hundreds of millions of dollars. Actually, I, I don't know the exact cost, but it costs a lot of money to train GPT-4. And supposedly it costs a ton of money just to do the inference, just to actually run the inference. People talk about how many gallons of water is actually needed just to cool the GPUs to respond to your query. It kind of makes you feel guilty. You're like, did you know that every time you do a chat GPT call, you're consuming two gallons of water. I don't really know if that's directly true or not, but there's, there's a cost to it. Well, if there's a cost to it and they're not, you know, the revenue isn't matching the cost, especially as new competitors come out, keep that price low. Uh, that's always a warning sign. I think the best place to look to see examples of this is like in the cloud business where maybe things were originally fairly inexpensive. And now cloud does not mean cheap. As a matter of fact, cloud systems are most likely more expensive than their equivalent um, on-premise systems. It's just that you get the vari- you get the benefit of variability. So anyway, there enough of that one. So the last sort of like you know point here, although there's many points, but we want to help you not get screwed by generative AI, is that people will try to attack generative AI systems and make the generative AI systems do things that you don't want them to do. The whole malicious prompt injection. Uh, you know, uh, tampering thing where they try to get it. And this sort of relates earlier to don't put AI, don't you need a human in the loop, but you can't have the human like constantly in the loop, especially if you're using the generative AI system for things like, you know, support or whatever. So um, you have to realize that there is a cyber equivalent cybersecurity aspect to generative AI uh, issues of people trying to make the prompts reveal information or do things you don't want it to do. And you, unfortunately, when that happens, who do you think is liable? This gets to an earlier thing we used to talk about with automotive, with autonomous vehicles. When if the autonomous vehicle ran somebody over, who's at fault, right? Is it the vehicle? Is it the software? Is it... So um, it's the same tangled web with generative AI. Like I was just using the the uh, GPT API, and somebody sent in some malicious thing, and all of a sudden, all my customer data, which I was training. My my I had my own little GPT system trained on my customer information. All of a sudden, that private information was revealed. So who is at fault? Was it the uh, Gen AI system? Was it OpenAI because you use their LLM? Uh, is it your fault because you trained the LLM on your customer data? Uh, you know, <laughs> well, you know what it's going to be. It's always going to be your fault because you're the easiest person to sue. So hey. Don't get screwed, right? That's the whole point of this podcast. So, I mean, there's probably many other ways you can get screwed by generative AI. We just haven't seen a lot of writing about this. There's so much enthusiasm, right? There's so much enthusiasm for generative AI, and there should be. Generative AI and large language models can do some pretty phenomenal things, right? But uh, pound a caution here, you know, in terms of the ways that you could get yourself into, into trouble.
Exactly. And that's why we want to bring this up, because we just want to get you thinking about this. Maybe there's some things you've already thought about. Maybe there's some things you haven't thought about. Maybe there's some things that you've experienced or seen from others, some things that you haven't. So that's why we bring up all of these different topic points in our discussion, especially in our generative AI series, because it's important to understand that. And I don't think that anybody is disputing the fact that generative AI really is powerful. Like I said earlier, it's transformative. But if people are too reliant on that technology, you know, any one technology, you can get screwed. And we always say, you know, don't put too many eggs in one basket. Really, you want to make sure that you're understanding it as well, both now and where it could potentially go in the future. So, it's, you know, generative AI really, it's it's starting to be embedded in many different things. And that is great. You know, we have been doing this podcast since 2017. We've been talking about AI since 2017, specifically on the podcast. But, you know, it's it's just, it's been wonderful to really see how things have taken off, how conversations are happening now, how AI had been applied in just about every single industry. We had our AI use case series that we talked about, but people are feeling more empowered than ever before. And really that AI is at their fingertips. So that's something that's been so wonderful to see. We say that, you know, AI, I think now finally has crossed the chasm. We've all, we've been debating it for a little while and, you know, but now it's definitely crossed the chasm. And that's something that we're so excited about that, you know, like I said, everybody is starting to feel empowered and using it. But with that, it also means just watch out for some of the challenges that it has. Watch out for some of the, uh, you know, ways that it might not be used in the best way and also some of the ways that it can screw you. So with that, we'd like to thank you so much for listening to this podcast. As I mentioned, make sure to subscribe if you haven't done so already. We, I'm sure, will be revisiting generative AI as a common topic going forward, because how can we not, especially if we just said that it's crossed the chasm. And we also have our Trustworthy AI series. We have some wonderful interviews that we have lined up as well. And as we mentioned, we do have some episodes left in our glossary series, which I know we've we've gotten feedback on. Some people have really loved that series. Other people have asked us to do other things, which is why we have and we're sprinkling them throughout now. So reach out to us as well if you haven't done so already. You can go to AIToday.live, you can go to Cognolitica.com, or find us on LinkedIn. We do always love to hear from our listeners. Here's what you've enjoyed, what you'd like to hear more of. And if you're interested in working with us, we absolutely would love to work with you. Make sure to rate us on iTunes, Google, Spotify, or your favorite podcast platform, as we always love to hear from you, our listeners, and share the podcast with friends and colleagues, um, anybody that you think would be interested in this. Like this episode and want to hear more? With hundreds of episodes and over 3 million downloads, check out more AI Today podcasts at AIToday.live. Make sure to subscribe to AI Today if you haven't already on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google, Amazon, or your favorite podcast platform. Want to dive deeper and get resources to drive your AI efforts further? We've put together a carefully curated collection of resources and tools handcrafted for you, our listeners. To expand your knowledge, dive deeper into the world of AI, and provide you with the essential resources you need. Check it out at aitoday.live slash list. This sound recording and its contents are copyright by Cognolytica. All rights reserved. 
Music by Matsu Gravas. As always, thanks for listening to AI Today, and we'll catch you at the next podcast. Bye.